the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. We're continuing our series, Spiritual But Not Religious, wrestling with these two phrases. And and I want to welcome you this morning because we're going to be walking through different styles of spirituality. And you've got one, I've got one, she's got one, he's got one, they got one. We've all got them, but what are they? And how do we we see what they are? How do we do that? So um, I'm going to get started this morning because I'm I'm a collector. I've been a numismatist. That's a coin collector. For years, my wife calls me a a coin nerd. Uh, But uh, I've been collecting coins, but I also collect phrases. I, I really, I really, uh, sometimes they're just kind of quick and anonymous. I don't know, if, I don't know if you ever hear something where you go, oh man, you know, one man's hero is another man's tyrant. You ever heard that? It's just like, I don't know who said it, but I was like, whoa, right? Or, or absolute power corrupts absolutely. I hear, the, I hear these phrases and I go, ah. Oh. And then there, there are other times where a real thinker says something and it gets me thinking. Mark Twain said, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. I was like, Oh, 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 wait, wait, oh, okay, right? C.S. Lewis said that true humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I'm like, ah, oh, right? And so all of a sudden it started, ah, oh, it gets me thinking, right? Well, several years ago, I picked up and pasted into my scrapbook, spiritual, but not religious, because I was like, wait a minute, and it just got me thinking. I'm like, what a, what a phrase, right? And I, and I gotta say, I'm really interested in people who, who describe themselves in this way. And so anytime that I have an opportunity to get into that conversation, I engage it. I'm like, so, so tell me, what, what does that mean? Which by the way, n- none of them are, are hesitant about sharing. I'm like, so what do you mean by that? And they go, well, here's what I think. And oftentimes, uh, usually, the, the, the religious... They go, well, it's this so long list of rules. That's, that's, that's their definition of religious, right? But then I go, well, what about spirituality? And, and that's a little bit harder to nail down. Sometimes they'll say that it's this general awareness of, of this. I've even had them say there's this holiness in the universe. I'm like, oh, okay. And then they... they package it with a whole bunch of values, you know, like be kind, caring for humanity, one with the universe. So there's, there's these two different things. And, and a lot of people perceive Christianity as being a confining tradition with these constrictions and, and all these requirements and all those rules that somehow are supposed to please God, get us into heaven and avoid hell. And, and so it's like, okay, right, right? But in the end, I, I want you to know, spirituality is an encounter with the ethereal, with the other. But then religion interacts with humanity. And I wanna, I wanna kind of dig into that this morning because I think both religion and spirituality are about relationships. So if you're taking notes, fill this in. Here's your first one. Here's your first filling. True spirituality begins with a relationship with God, and then it moves inward 
That's like into our spirits where we experience the joy and, and perfect love. We find liberation. That's, a, that's what I would call a vertical relationship. But then the second part is this. It's the outward, right? It's extending to the relationships with others as it moves outward. See, we're living out God's love so, they, so others can find liberation. That's the horizontal relationship. So here's what happens. You get this vertical relationship, right? And it comes inward. And then you get this horizontal relationship going. See, there's this spirituality and religion. So it's, it's actually both. And if we want to experience the reality of God's presence and his blessing in our lives, I, I, I got to tell you, a community of faith with all of its messy, broken people is the most likely place for that to happen. With the faithful practices of, of worship, of prayer, of giving and serving, of welcoming the stranger, supporting the marginalized, the less fortunate around our city, around our world. That's where we discover the most ideal, I think, and probably the most consistent place to define and live out our spirituality. It's within the context of a faith community. I was talking with Pastor Ashton last week, and, and he said, hey, PM, did, did you know the word religion is only used four times in the New Testament. I'm like, wait, what? Four times? That's it? Yeah, he said, hey, you know, and of those four times, it's only used once in a positive light. I'm like, only once? Yeah, look at this. This is the book of James, chapter 1, verse 27. This is the positive occasion. Here's what James, chapter 1, verse 27 says. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means that we are caring for orphans and widows in their distress. And let's not forget the great big and here. Refusing to let the world corrupt us. Man, we got to reach out to the hurting and the helpless. We've got to do this. We got to get to them in what they're going through and not be corrupted by the world. But do you, did you see this? Did you see this part? And I love this part. It, it's like it's flipping religion on its head. Do you see, right when we think of religion, when, when you and I think of religion, I know I do, right? I think, well, that's called looking after yourself, making sure everybody else knows how righteous you are. Oh yeah, look at me, you know. That, that's the religious thing. But James totally tosses that. Uh, according to this, maybe the hashtag should be religious but not spiritual. Maybe we're supposed to be religious. He goes, this is true religion. By the way, orphans and widows, they were the two most marginalized people in the Jewish society. And oftentimes, even today, they are still the last, the least, the lost. Think about that, orphans and widows. Who's thinking about them? Well, there is no long list of rules. There's only one. Love God, love your neighbor. That's what Jesus said. He didn't give us a whole list. And then make sure you do this and you do this and you do this and you do No, no, he said this. Love God, love your neighbor. I've been told there are seven wonders of the world. I'm wondering if that's the eighth wonder of the world. The ability for me to accept the love that God has for me and then let that love flow through me. That would be an amazing thing, huh? Well, Jesus encouraged both thoughts and actions based on authentic and significant relationships, both with God and then with one another. 
And Jesus argues not for purity, but for mercy constantly, not for the holiness of one group, but the acceptance of all groups. So I think if we're going to err, I think we err on the side of encouraging people in love, compassion, not guilt, shame, fear. Because see, when there's fear in a relationship or in a religion, God is absent. God's not going to be in all that. It tends to cast out love. And so love, being God, he goes, hey, I don't want you to be afraid. God's trying to come in and love us. So when we do whatever it is that we do, out of a sense of obligation or out of fear, we become slaves to expectations. The expectations sometimes I place on myself. Sometimes I think they're the expectations that God places on me. Or watch this, the expectations that others place on me or others say God places on me. That's, that's where people move away from religion. But I, I heard, I don't know about you, I just heard religion's a good thing. James says, hey, this is good, pure, true religion. Doesn't seem anything wrong with that. Problem is we worry so much about following the rules that we lose track of the main thing. And you know what the main thing is? It's cultivating loving relationships. Again, hear Jesus, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we're loving God, we're loving ourselves, we're loving others, we're loving all of creation because we were created in God's image. We're designed to create, to care, to share, to love, to give, to serve. It's what we do because we're created in his image. And I'll tell you what, that's the kind of behavior that begins to reveal the Christ-like nature in us. If Jesus is in us, listen to me, if Jesus is in us, then Jesus is through us. Do, do we have that in the world around us? When we encounter people, they go, I just met Jesus in the grocery store. I saw Jesus at the gas station. I saw Jesus, because that person was different. That's what it means to have not just Jesus in you, but Jesus through you. And I'll tell you what, we're not created to just trudge through life trying to avoid hell. <laughs> what a drag. If that's all we're doing every day, gotta stay out of hell today, gotta stay out of hell today, gotta stay out of hell today. Key. Listen, Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. He wrote to all these Christians. He said, hey, listen to this, man. Jesus has set you free. And your job is to stay free. Don't get caught up. See, that's why James said it. Don't, don't let the world corrupt you. But there's got to be more, right? See, Christianity isn't about all the rules. It's about Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Love God, love your neighbor. A couple weeks ago, I said, I said this to you. Remember when he started his ministry and I went over it? It was in Luke 4. He said, I came to set the captives free. I came that people might be liberated. I came that, that you would experience the year of favor in God. I'm like, whoo. And he continues to go on. I'm thinking, wait a minute. So here's what happens. Well, how come I'm not feeling that? Well, listen, it's not Jesus. It's, it's me and it's you. We are the problem. Jesus wasn't the problem. Jesus was setting us free. He made it simple. Love God, love your neighbor. And then I come along and go, and don't forget you better do this and this and this and this. And then you do it to me and I do it to her. And ah. Beloved, I want you to hear this. 
when we experience the joy of being loved and being cared for, I'll tell you what, we want that for other people as well. We go, because we feel this love, we go, how can I get other people to feel this? And we express our faith best by treating others the way God has treated us. That's what's gotta happen. Respecting and honoring ourselves, God, the world around us. The law of liberty and living out of Jesus' promise that the truth is gonna set us free that's what empowers us to live this rich and wonderful, abundant life. Not because we're afraid, but because we're beloved. Because I'm loved, I go, hey, I gotta get this out there. That's what it, and I'll tell you what, if that's what it means to be religious, count me in. And that's kind of what Jesus said. James told us this morning, religion is taking care of other people. Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor. Okay, then, that, then I'm in. Furthermore, man, man, what could be further from, from the ability to be all stuffy, right, and caught up in yourself, self-centered, than to live a life outside of ourselves? Saying, hey, listen, I, I, it's not about me. I have, listen, I have personal preferences. I have opinions. Oh, as the day is long, have I got opinions. My wife is at home right now going, mm hmm but, but I want you to hear this. What could be further from that than to live out of a place of being loved? What could be more spiritual than to love others in action? That's the whole point of being doers of the word, not just hearers. Religious structures, listen, the, the, the church, we'll call it the building, stick and stucco, brick and mortar, that's going to be around. You, you know why? Because Jesus left it to us. He said, hey, listen, don't forget you guys got to get together. In Hebrews, it says, don't neglect getting together. Make sure you're connecting constantly. Jesus left us this thing. He says, I, I've, I've put you here together. And I want you to fill this in. Fill this in, please, will you? Because God's using us as imperfect people. It's our fragile brokenness. Each one of us are broken. We have been set apart, not set aside. That is the church. Our job now is we got to accept our acceptedness. And so here's all the rejection, whether it has been relational or religious. I get rejected. You get rejected. We all get rejected, right? But I'll tell you what, that evaporates like the morning fog, if we are in God's presence, if we understand, and this is why I constantly say this, beloved, we must live as loved. Do you hear me? Live as loved. And you're and I am accepted as I am, not as I should be, for I will never be as I should be. That's the, that's the great problem. He loves me like this. Oh, but I keep pursuing him. That's not to say, sit back and relax. God says, don't change, don't, don't change. No, he said, hey, 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 listen, I'm inside you. I want to live through you. And that means we're going to keep putting off more of who you, who you grew out, uh, your family of origin, your experiences, the rejections I was just talking about. He said, I want you to start putting that stuff away. Your fears of yesterday, or rather, I'm sorry, your regrets of yesterday, your fears of tomorrow, right? He says, I want you to put that stuff away. I want you to live free. 
See, God's in charge. And I'll tell you what, he cannot stand the incessant attempts to marginalize his children. He said, hey, that's one of my kids. I can't tell you how often I go to a mechanic and before I walk in, I'm thinking, I'm one of God's kids. I'm not gonna be afraid of this person stealing from me, ripping me off, giving me false uh, jobs. You know, we're gonna have to change this and do all that. I go, listen, man, you don't, you don't screw with one of God's kids. God won't stand for it. He doesn't want his children to be marginalized. And the only way we're ever gonna truly love our neighbor, if we're ever gonna get there, we gotta first sit down next to them. How, how are we gonna do that? See, we're given the privilege, to, you and I, the church, the capital C church, the body of Christ is given the privilege to practice sitting down next to our neighbor right here every week. I know it's not right now, but every week we're given the opportunity to go, this person's not like me, but we're together. And, and that person's not like me, but we're together. God says, I want my people to practice it first. And then the world's going to take a look and go, how did they do that? Selflessness. That's what happens. We, we walk out and we go, I don't, have to, I, don't have to, I don't have to change them. They can be who they are. That's not my job. That's God's job. My job is me. We get to sit with people who aren't like us. And I'll tell you what, that's a good thing. Look at what 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 says. Look at this. If someone says that I love God, but hates, that's a harsh word, right? Hates a fellow believer. That person's a liar. Got even harsher. Because <laughs> if we can't love people we can see, how are we supposed to love God whom we can't see? Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. We've got to. This series that I'm doing right now, The Colors of Spirituality, is all about learning to not just accept or even tolerate people that aren't like us. Here, here it is. It's actually asking us to move beyond that and to actually love people that aren't like us. Because if we can't love those that aren't like us, but are actually for us. See, brothers and sisters, they're not like me, but they're for me. She's not like me, but she's for me. How in the world am I supposed to love people who aren't like me, but aren't for me? See, God gets us to practice right here. And this is where the colors of spirituality comes in. Because Jesus threw that little one in. Remember this one? Love your neighbors. You remember that one? How about this one? Love your enemies. Oh, you didn't just go there, right? I didn't, he did. But, but I want you to hear this. That's why I love this Colors of Spirituality because it's helping me to say, that's, that's who that person is, that's okay. Helping me to understand, even appreciate those who aren't like me, even the people that are sitting in the church. And again, I know we're not there right now. So let's take a look at the Colors of Spirituality. Check this out. These are the Colors of Spirituality. I introduced this last week. The green, the red, the blue. Now, God is seen in three revelations. They're expressed by the names, or maybe even you would consider it the roles, of the Father, that's the outward focus, the Son, that's the upward focus, and the Holy Spirit, that's the inward focus. Now, I laid out the foundation for all of this last week in Mark 12, 30. Jesus said, you gotta love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And when we do all of that with all of our strength, 
That's where we experience the spiritual connection through, and here's the big series, these nine spiritual styles. Check them out. There they are right in front of you. These styles describe how we most naturally connect with God. And that's why, it, that's why it's good, true, and beautiful. These are like our spiritual antenna. They're empowering us to tune in and hear from God. Do you see one that connects to you? You go, oh, I think that might be me. Wait, I don't even, what is ascetic? I don't even know what that is. Write it down and look it up this week. Well, last week we explored the green section with the sensory and the rational styles. So that was last week. If you, if you missed that, please go onto the website, go onto iTunes, look on the app. You can get all of that from last week. So we started last week with the first two. This week, we're gonna go to some more. And, and here's, here's why. Because when we begin to understand who God is, we begin to understand who we are. Again, I said it, because we're created in his image. Each of us is uniquely designed to connect with God in his uniqueness. Spiritual styles are developed and strengthened over time. That's how we become spiritually mature. And the goal of this series is to discover and develop our own style while appreciating their style. That's okay. That's their style. It's different than mine. Today, I want to look at just two more styles. This time, we're going to go into the color red. Again, this section is uh, represented by, by God, the Son, who is Jesus. Here's the five blanks I need you to fill in. Get ready. Here they come. Ready? When we think about Jesus, we do so using nouns. Well, a noun is, right? If you remember a conjunction, you remember that schoolhouse rock? It was awesome, right? Nouns, person, place, or thing. You got proper nouns where it's specific persons and places and things, right? Here's the second one. The son is among us, and he appeals to us through invitation. Jesus is constantly saying, you may, you could. See, that's an invitation. This is where our free will comes in, and we get to choose and then that last blank, in this section, the red section, we are connected in the word, where God brings our salvation. See, Jesus is the fullness of God who became man, reconciling us with God so we can receive eternal life. In the word, the Bible is where God reveals himself as the redeemer. He's paying the price to get us back into right standing. Now, I'm going to get into these styles. I just want to get into two of them. And these two styles are going to focus on evangelism and discipleship. So again, everybody's different, but what are those differences? And it's not color. It's not creed. It's not race. It's not social structures. God made us all differently, but we each shadow him in some way. It's a facet as it were. So does evangelism or discipleship, do you go, ooh, I bet she's going to talk about me. It could. Let's see, right? Let's take a look at these two styles this week. Here's the first one, scripture-driven. Right there, about 3.30 on the, on the, on the compass there. Scripture-driven, the motto is applying the word of God. Man, we gotta apply the word of God. As far as their strengths, check it out. They're faithful to the Bible. They think it, they speak it, they pray it. They're unafraid to declare it. They're bold wherever they are, at any time, any place, right? The scripture that they live by is right down there at the bottom, Colossians 3.16. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. See, the scripture-driven don't think of the Bible as being written 2,000 years ago. It's more like, well, it was written for today. Their weaknesses, it's a strict adherence only to the scriptures. I would say it, it borderlines idolatry about the Bible. Bibolatry, can you call it that? I don't even know, right? 
In other words, they don't expect to hear God's voice within them. But God says, I'm within you, I'm speaking to you. Do do you see it? That's one of the perils of it. The inability to hear the inner voice as well as expressing themselves physically. These scripture-drivens, they have a hard time in worship, you know, raising your hands, singing. But what what about the Bible? And if they would just hang out a bit with the mystical or the sacramental styles, they could ease their way into these spiritual disciplines. Now, if this explains how you approach God, I want you to look directly across from your style because your weaknesses are strengthened by your opposites. Do you see it? We need each other, beloved. I'm not like them, but I need to get more toward them because in the center, do you remember what was in the center? God is in the center. And I'm called to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday and more like him tomorrow than I am today. I'm called to be more like God, to be godly. Well, the way I do that is pulling away from mine toward the opposites, which will get me more centered. Are you catching where I'm going here? Are you one of those that's just got to bring the application to biblical principles every day? Do you feel closest to God when you're directly dealing with the Bible? Are your experiences perceived through the filter of biblical understanding? See, the, the biblical, the scripture-driven man, they're, they're hermeneutics first, right? It's the study and the interpretation of scripture. And then and only then can we have the homiletics, which is the preparation, the sermonizing. But you've got to study first, study to find yourself approved. See, th- th- these are the scripture-driven. These folks have clear boundaries between exegesis which is drawing out of the scripture, and eisegesis, which is drawing into the scripture. They know the difference. They're like pulling these out, uh, pulling them apart. Now, if this is you, as I've described it, if this is your Christianity, I want you to hear, we are a religion not of or by the book, although it is responsible for the best-selling book of all time. But we go beyond the book. Let's check out our second one. Here's sharing. Here's the second style for today. Sharing style. Your motto passing on the grace of God. Christians with this style, take a look at this slide here. By the way, this is the fourth slide. Collect all nine of them. It's a collection. You want to keep getting them. They're going to be on the website. They're on the app. You want to collect these because you want to go, who am I and who is my friend in my class? You know, I take this class with this person. I wonder what what they are. Here's another one. This is sharing. Christians with this style identify with 2 Corinthians 5.20. You see it there? We are Christ's ambassadors. God's making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Here's the sharer's strengths. They include focusing on people outside of the church. Unfortunately, it can at times lead to not appreciating Christian traditions, the symbolism that's even within the church. See, they want to win souls so bad that when they think that people aren't engaged in this style, they actually question their Christianity. I don't even know if you're a Christian. Don't you want to see your neighbor come to Christ? You can see here that the sharing style has a tendency to ignore God's creation. Well, how do you get better at that? You know where I'm going, right? You gotta hang out with the sensory that we talked about last week. See, the sensory loves creation. I feel one in the outdoors. The best thing you can do with any neglected aspect, go ahead, say it with me, hang out and learn from the opposites, right? Which is, in this particular case, the sensory and the sacramental. I'm going to say it again, I'm going to say it again, I'm going to say it again. We need each other. 
I need you because you're not like me. Do you hear that? I'm draw, I have to draw toward people that aren't like me. In, in practice, I call it strengthening, right? Strengthening myself and drawing to my weaknesses. It's like, you know, I just got a staff to my weaknesses here at the, at the church. W- listen, I- I'm hiring people that aren't like me. They're not like me. I can't do that. Let them do that. That's what they do well. But we have a tendency to kind of birds of a feather flock together, right? We kind of hang out with the people that are kind of like us. Same music. Well, let me ask you, does this sharing person that I've described, does that describe you? Are you one of those people who doesn't need a church building in order to feel close to God? Do you experience God most strongly when you're pressing onto others the thing that God has pressed into you? God gave me this thing and I got to give it away. Are you one of those who doesn't learn something first in theory so that later you can put it into practice? No, you believe the most effective way of learning something is get to it, let's go. Just do it, we'll clean it up. Not every Christian, by the way, every, not every Christian who has the sharing style has the gift of evangelism. Those are two different things. What I'm talking about this morning is the spiritual style of sharing. It's, it's more in the background. It's one-on-one. It's radiating the love of God versus an evangelist. That's in a gift. That's a gift. This is just a style. An evangelism gift, man, and not everybody has the gift of evangelism. Not everybody is a Greg Laurie, a, a Billy Graham, where you aggressively go out, I got to tell people about Jesus right now. That's less than 10% of Christian population, actually who are aggressively evangelists. And it's a great gift. But is that you? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you are just the sharing person who's behind the scenes. But the bottom line is, I'm gonna say it again, we need each other. We need each other. In the church, we are for each other. And do you know why? Here's why. We're family. Yeah. The Bible says, you are my brother, you are my sister. Now, here's your last fill-in. Fill this in for me. We don't pick our family. Our brothers and sisters are given to us by our Father. Whoa! Given to us, right? I don't get to pick out who my brothers and sisters are. I See, I'm the weird uncle. I get it. But let me ask you, who's in your family? Who is in your family? I'll tell you who your family is. Your family is the guy who sings out of tune standing next to you in worship. Our family is the mom who crawled out of bed one inch from her postpartum depression just to get into fellowship today. She's family. Family is the young man who, in his insecurity, wonders if he'll ever fit in anywhere. Who seems really strong, but there's something deep inside of fear Family is that teenager who walks to church, goes to youth group alone because they're, th- they're seeking for something outside of home life. Family. F- family is understanding even though you're not like me, I need you so I can be a better me. You make me a better me. And here's unfortunate for some of you, I make you a better you. You, you need me too. I'm going to say it. Here it is. We need each other. This morning, most of all, we need Jesus. Above all, 
Beloved, I want you to hear this. When we have Jesus in us and through us, we begin to express that to people around us. And things are always better for it. If you are here and you're listening to me this morning, you're thinking, okay, where do I start? Listen, don't start with these styles, the spiritual styles. That's not the place to start. You know where you start? With Jesus. It starts with Jesus. Well, it starts and ends with Jesus. But it starts with Jesus. You must have a relationship with him. God made each of us, right? I said that this morning. We were created in his likeness, right? Male and female, he made us, right? right? So we've been created. And in that creation, listen to this, so much love. Born out of love, we were created. He breathed into us his own breath. I'm living on borrowed breath. But with that breath, watch this. He said, you get to choose whether you love me or not. I'm like, wait, what? There are days I'll just make me love you because, man, left to myself, I am so messed up. But every day I come back and go, I want to be more like your son. And with my free choice, there was a day where I said, I'm done living my life. This is the best that I can make out of this. This, what I got going on, this is the best it gets, and it ain't very good. So with my choice, I said, I want to have Jesus in and through me. If you are here this morning and you're listening to my voice, you're saying, that's me. I need Jesus in and through me. The love of God made a way for you to get that. Listen, the love of God coming into you changes all of that. So I want to pray for you this morning. If you are hearing me and you're saying, Jesus is not a part of my life. He's not a part of my lifestyle, not a part of my living. I don't go to church. You know, I consider myself Catholic light or whatever. You know, I, I'm just tired of organized religion. I'm spiritual, but not religious. Whatever it is, right? Listen, we got to have Jesus. Jesus makes all the difference. So I'd like to pray with you this morning. If you are out there and you say, wait a minute, I need that. Would you listen to me? I'm going to say it again. Accept your acceptedness. While we were enemies, this is what the Bible tells me. While we were enemies, Jesus was dying for me. While I'm cussing him out and doing my own thing and I'm off on my own rebellious path, Jesus is going, that's the one I love. Wait, what? Would you accept your acceptedness today? Let me pray for you. Father God, I ask in the name of Jesus, whoever's listening to my voice right now who said, I I need Jesus in my life. I gotta get that into my life. I, I, I don't wanna be me anymore. Well then, I wanna pray a blessing over you. Jesus, would you come into their life? Whoever's saying, yes, that's me. Would you come into their life this morning, begin to change and transform who they are and what, what's happening in their lives? I ask, Father God, you watch over them. I pray that there would be even a confirmation. Like, you know, like we, we order something and then online, whoop, here's your online confirmation. There would be a confirmation. We, we book a hotel room. We, we book a vacation. We get a confirmation. I pray there would be a confirmation for the people that are praying with me this morning, there would be a confirmation moment that said, someone would say something, you know, hey, can I pray for you? Oh my gosh. It it, it might be something small, it could be something big, but I pray for a confirmation that would say, "I, I need to have Jesus in my life. I pray, Father God, that you would watch over their hearts and minds, begin the transformation process from the inside out, the vertical first. God comes in and works his way out through us. He's in us, then through us. And when it gets through us, it starts to reach other people around us. 
those closest to us begin to sense the difference. What's different? You're not so stressed out. You're not so anxious. What, why are you at peace? Well, because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus is going to give us peace. So I pray, God, grace and peace to my new family. <laughs> We're brothers and sisters now. We are related. Catch that one, right? So I, I want to tell you this. If you said yes today, on your screen right now is a number. Would you text Text the word Jesus to 661-276-9090. 661-276-9090. Text the word Jesus because I want to pray for you. Because you are now my brother. You are now my sister. We are family. Watch this. God gave you to me. We're family now together. And so we're going to work this thing out. What does it mean to live for Christ? Here's what we're going to be doing. So I'm so glad that you've done that. Uh, again, please text that number. So glad to be with you. Now let's us practice together. God, how, how do I transform this, this mess, this selfish mess? Here, here it is. For those of you who already have Jesus, it gets transformed right here. When we speak these words, I am nothing and you are everything. It's called worship. So we go into worship. We say, God, you love me. You're crazy about me. You provided for me. This is your opportunity to let that transformation take place inside of us, getting Jesus not just in us, but through us. Good to be with you.